Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Hello and welcome to Bible Truth for Living. This is Pastor Tim Reynolds. Today we're in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. The Bible says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Just a week or so ago, Gallup News published an article with the headline, Fewer in U.S. Now See Bible as Literal Word of God by Frank Newport. The article states that a record low 20% of Americans now say the Bible is the literal Word of God. That is down from 24% the last time the question was posed in 2017, and half of what it was at the high points of 1980 and 1984. Now, meanwhile, a new high of 29% say that the Bible is a collection of fables and legends, history, and moral precepts uh, recorded by man. The article continues, this makes the first time significantly more Americans have viewed the Bible as not divinely inspired than as the literal Word of God. My question is, could there be a correlation or connection between the rejection of truth we see in our world today and the rampant deception and the fact that fewer Americans believe the Bible is the literal Word of God? When you excuse the Word of God from any culture or a church even— uh, you uh, you are exposed to falsehood and deception, and uh, we certainly see that in our world today. Now, if you're like me and you're part of that 20% that still believes the Bible is the literal Word of God, how do we hold on to that? And more importantly, how do we pass that down to our children and our grandchildren? That's what I want us to consider with this message today. And the first thing I want us to consider is that the Word of God must be existing in the heart, and it exists in the heart by choice. Now, the text that I just read to you, Colossians 3 and verse 16, begins with the word let. Let means to allow or permit. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you. God never forces Himself or His Word onto anyone. God is sovereign, He is all-powerful, and yet He allows man's free will to choose to accept salvation and to accept His Word. Uh, Someone says, well, the Bible isn't true. You have that choice. Now, that doesn't make it any less true, uh, but you have the choice to say, well, I just don't believe that it's the literal Word of God. Uh, You have a choice to make. You can either let it dwell in you, or you can say, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. We must realize, too, that the Bible is more than a textbook. It is more than a storybook or a guidebook or a songbook. It is a living book, the living Word of God that brings man into the presence of very God. A.W. Tozer said, as we come to the Word of God, we do not come just for information. We come for an encounter with the living Word of God and with Christ, the Word of life. That's why the Bible is so important for us to understand that it is the literal Word of God, but it exists in the heart by choice. And then the Word of God exists in the heart by consistency. Again, that verse 16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you. The word dwell means to reside or to stay. 
Now, if the Word of God is going to dwell in you, that is going to require a daily dose, consistent exposure to God's Word. Uh, one time on Sunday morning is just not enough. It, it requires a consistency of reading and studying and memorizing God's Word. Here's a good passage of Scripture, Psalm 119 and verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Notice, hid in mine heart. Well, you can't hide it in your heart if you don't open it, if you don't read it on a consistent basis. When you do that, the word of God becomes a part of you. Uh, it, it becomes how you view the world, how you see the culture, uh, how you function in your marriage, raising your kids, handle your finances, when you're taking in the Bible on a consistent basis. Number three, the Word of God exists in the heart by concentration. Again, verse 16 says, "...let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom." The word richly means abundantly or overflowing. You see, beloved, as you begin to consistently take in the Word of God, and you do this on a daily basis, and then you begin to concentrate on what it is saying, the Bible will reveal itself to you, again, in how you think, how you behave, how you dress, where you go, uh, the people you hang around with, how you make decisions in life. Uh, all of that has to do with concentrating on the Word of God. How many of us have read the Word of God and then uh, turn around and we forgot what we read, all right? Concentration means I think about it and I apply it to whatever the situation is, apply it to my life. Now, notice it says, richly in all wisdom. Wisdom is the skillful application of knowledge. And there are two types of wisdom, according to the Bible. One is worldly wisdom. Now, not all worldly wisdom is bad. Uh, you need worldly wisdom to function in this world. Some people have worldly wisdom in the area of money. I mean, you give them $1,000, and by next week they'll have 5000 They just know how to handle it. Uh, others of us get $1,000, and we have a dollar left by the end of the day. That's about the truth, isn't it? But some people just have wisdom in that area. Others have worldly wisdom in how to build things or how to fix things or invent things. Now, that's not all bad, but just realize that is for this world only. And if you only have wisdom for this world only, it's not going to pay off for you in the long run or in the next life. Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? You have all kinds of worldly wisdom and to lose his soul. So the other kind of wisdom that the Bible speaks of is godly wisdom. And godly wisdom is superior to worldly wisdom. Now, it's good to have both. It's good to have godly wisdom and to have worldly wisdom too. But between the two, godly wisdom certainly is the most important. I want to read a couple of passages of Scripture to you. Uh, the first one is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 17. The Bible says, and this is Paul writing, he says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Paul says, I, I'm not trying to uh, persuade people by my fancy rhetoric or my big use of words. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. You tell a Ph.D. that the way to go to heaven is to believe on someone who died on a cross and shed his blood. Well, that, that sounds foolish to them. But, to un, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. And then another scripture is 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 4. Paul says, in my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Uh, Bible scholars believe that Paul 
I may have spoken with a, a stutter or a lisp, probably a better writer than he was a preacher. But he says, I wasn't interested in, in trying to entice with my words or man's wisdom, but boy, he had the power of God on him, which is far more superior. He goes on and says that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men just because of something I have to say, but in the power of God. Howbeit, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. That word perfect means mature, grown up in the faith. Yet not the wisdom of this world and of the princes of the world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. They, they didn't understand uh, in regards to especially the church, that mystery. Uh, for had they known it, they would not have uh, crucified the Lord of glory." And so we must understand that the Word of God exists, must exist in the heart. Number two, the Word of God must be exposed to the heart. Back in our text of Colossians chapter 3 uh, and verse 16, uh, the Bible, give me just a minute to, to get to it here, Colossians 3 and 16, um, it's talking about the, the Word of God dwelling richly. And then it says, teaching and admonishing one another. Now we have two words here, teaching and admonishing. Let's talk about these. The Word of God is exposed by teaching, uh, expository teaching or preaching. That's what I'm doing this morning. I'm taking a verse and breaking it down, exposing uh, the Word of God. And teaching involves explaining. Now, you take an effective math teacher or science teacher, computer teacher, they're not focused on demonstrating what they know, what the teacher knows, but in explaining so the student learns something. Uh, teaching is not about showing how smart you are. It's being able to transfer the information uh, to help someone else understand. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27 says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. So teaching is the transfer of knowledge, not the showcase of knowledge. I would rather people say, uh, in regards to where I pastor, boy, uh, the people sure know the Bible, much more than I would hear, have them say, well, that preacher knows the Bible. Well, if I know it, but the people don't know it, I've not done my job. So every every preacher, pastor, I think has a responsibility to not just showcase his knowledge, but to transfer it so that the people have an understanding of the Word of God. So teaching involves explaining. And then something else, teaching involves example. Now, Paul tells Timothy this in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verses 11 through 13. Now, at this time, Timothy's a, he's a young man, and Paul is an older man, and, and Paul is wanting him to know that people are watching you. They're not just hearing what you have to say, but they're going to be watching you. And here, here's what he says. These things command and teach. So there's the first thing, teaching, and that's explaining. Now here it is, verse 12, let no man despise or devalue thy youth. You're a young guy, Timothy, but, but don't let them uh, devalue you. And here's how you, you make that happen. But be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. He says, Timothy, it's just as important, maybe more important, that they see your godly example than what you have to say. If you're a young guy um, and they're hearing you, but they, they don't see an example coming from you, uh, it's not going to help you out much. He says they need to see you in word. That means you're studying the word of God. 
God. You you know what you're talking about because you spend time in study, in conversation that has to do with day-to-day living, your lifestyle, in charity, that's loving people, uh, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. So these things are all important because they set the example. Paul says, be you followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now, if the preacher's not following Christ, don't follow him. But if the preacher's following Christ, you say, well, I don't like his style. I don't like he's too loud, too quiet, too preaches too long. No, that's not important. If he's, if he's sincerely following Christ to the best of his ability, and that's your pastor, you ought to get behind him 100%. And Paul says, follow me as I am following Christ. Now, the other word that we see there in Colossians 3 and verse 16, after teaching, is the word admonishing. Now, that's one of those King James Version words that we don't use a lot in everyday language. What is admonishing? Well, admonishing actually involves two things. Admonishing, first of all, involves reproof. The word reproof means correction. Uh, here's what Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2, preach the word. Now, that sounds simple, but that's not being done in many churches across America today. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. That means whether it's popular or not, you just stay consistent. Reprove. The word reprove means you need to correct. The word of God is to be used to correct uh, all of us. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. The old uh, saying that we used to have is the, the preacher stepped on my toes today. If the preacher never steps on your toes uh, by the way, it's not really the preacher, it's the Word of God. If he's, if he's doing it right, it's not about the preacher, it's about what the Word says. But if you're not getting your toe stepped on once in a while, I think I'd look for another church. I'd find somewhere because we need that. I know I do. Uh, I need the Word of God to sometimes correct me because uh, I can easily get off track just like anyone else. And that word admonishing means reprove. It means correct. We need correction once in a while. And that is not by opinion, but it's by the Word of God. What God's Word says is right and what God's Word says is wrong. But the other part of admonishing is not only reproof, but it also involves refining. Now, there again, in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 2, it says, reprove and rebuke. That is the correction part of it. And then the next word is exhort. The word exhort actually means to encourage. Now, I think that a pastor, evangelist, missionary uh, has a twofold responsibility, correct and encourage. If you get out of balance with either one of those, uh, you're going to run into some problems. For example, Some preachers focus all on the correction, and so it's as if people can never do anything right, and it's always uh, this and that and correct and law, and it becomes a very legalistic-type church, and uh, the people become uh, self-righteous. That's not good. Uh, But then also, if you lean too much on the encouragement part, and it's all encouragement with never any correction, anything that steps on your toes or corrects what's going on, you end up with a church that uh, is very shallow. And so I think we have the responsibility to do both of those things, to reprove, correct, and to refine or to sharpen. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 17, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. The Word of God sharpens us up. It's kind of like 
Uh, if you've ever taken a mower blade and put it up against a grinding wheel and you sharpen your mower blades, you know, it will it will spark and make a, a loud noise, and it's sharpening that blade. It takes friction uh, for that to happen. And sometimes the Word of God has to, has to do that to our heart and to sharpen us to be uh, stronger Christians and a sharper Christian, and that's uh, what the Word of God does for us. The last thing I want to give to you is the Word of God must be expressed from the heart. And back to our text of Colossians chapter 3, it is expressed by style. Now listen to this part of the verse. And I'll start at the beginning again. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, that part there, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Let's talk about that. You know, music styles change. Back in the 1920s, you had jazz and ragtime in the the, uh, roaring 20s, you know, and you had a different style of music. You get up to the 1960s. Uh, there was folk music, and uh, of course, rock and roll started to come into the culture. The 1980s—that's the best music. That's that's when I was a teenager. So <laughs> I'm just kidding you, but we all have different styles, and we like different styles of music. We call those genres. But you know, it's same. It's the same in church. Uh, now, the tendency is for us to sometimes say, "Well, all new music is bad." Uh, sometimes we'll do that. You know, what what kids are listening to today is bad, and we'll even do that with uh, Christian music. All of that is bad, and I don't think that it is. Uh, some of the newer stuff is very good. In fact, I'm glad uh, my kids can listen to it. Um, it's It's got uh, good words to it, and, and uh, you know, I think that's that's a good thing. Now, I think we do need to ask this when we listen to some of the newer Christian songs, is it scriptural? Uh, is it scriptural or is it just emotional? Is it just a glorified rock song or a glorified love song? If it is, I wouldn't waste my time with it. Uh, sometimes people call those Seven Eleven songs. They say seven words and they repeat them 11 times over and over and over. Um, that's really more working up emotion than it is scriptural. Now, uh, it, my personal uh, feeling on this, and, and this is just myself, and I'm not saying this is how you have to view it, but I do, is that in a church setting, I believe the focus should be more on the Word of God than on the music, than on performance, because music can very easily feed the flesh and the emotions. And if that is the focus of a service, you come away saying, boy, I really felt that today, but it fed the emotions, it fed the flesh, it did not feed the heart and the mind. You see, the Word of God is to feed the heart and the mind, and so uh, just, again, a personal opinion on that, I believe in a church setting, the focus uh, should—you should have the best music you can have, but that shouldn't be the focus. The focus should always be on opening and expounding upon the Word of God. And then uh, it is expressed by substance. The last part of verse 16 says, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. The word grace there is thanksgiving or thankfulness. Now, uh, and I don't want to complicate this, I'm just going to give this to you. There are two types of grace. There is imputed grace and imparted grace. Imputed grace is grace that is placed on your account. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 and verse 8, for by grace are you saved through faith. 
God gives us his grace, all right? Imparted grace is what this is talking about. When we sing from the heart and we're singing with grace and thanksgiving, it blesses the listeners. Let me tell you this, God is not near as interested in our singing ability as he is in our singing attitude. Are we singing from the heart? I've heard people sing in church before that were great singers but didn't get a lot out of it. And then someone else that maybe a child or maybe someone, they they were a little bit off key, but man, they just really sang from the heart. Maybe they would weep and it couldn't help but just touch your heart. What's the difference? Well, one is focused on ability. The other is focused on an attitude. And God is looking for that attitude in, in, in how we sing. Is it coming from the heart? Think about how the congregational and special singing would be in our churches today if we were all singing from the heart, making melody to the Lord. The Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Uh, Some of us think, well, I can't sing very well, so I'm just not going to do it. Well, just express it from the heart. Quit worrying about what it sounds like. God likes it when we sing to him and we sing with thanksgiving. Now, I'm going to close with this. We've talked about the wealth and wisdom of God's Word today. And boy, what a what a wonderful privilege we have in America to be able to have the Word of God. Uh, we can take it to church with us. We can read it. We can study it. We, we can do all of these things. We have the Word of God on our phones and tablets and these sorts of things, but we neglect it many times. And I'm telling you, the Word of God is powerful. I'll give you an illustration. I read a story about a family who uh, the grandmother had passed away, and so uh, they had the responsibility of cleaning out the attic in her home. And as they were cleaning out the attic, they came across a large piece of ammunition, looked something like a torpedo. Well, it concerned them quite a bit, so they contacted the police, and the police ended up sending a bomb squad, and they broke that torpedo down, and come to find out it had been hollowed out. And inside of that torpedo were silver certificates and all kinds of gold coins, and it ended up being worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. It was from World War One, So apparently Grandma had stuffed uh, treasure inside of that torpedo. Now, I tell you that story to tell you this. The Word of God is like a torpedo. It penetrates the heart. Hebrews 4 and verse 12 says that the Word of God is quick. It's powerful, uh, more powerful than any two-edged sword, able to divide asunder the thoughts and intents of man's heart. It is a torpedo, but it's also filled with treasure. No greater book can you find that will tell you how to have a good marriage, how to raise your children, how to handle your finances, how to live in this world. It's all there in the Word of God. But for it to do us any good, we must read it, we must study it, we must apply it to our lives. And I hope that you uh, see the importance of that. You know, that's why we call this the Bible Truth Program, because it's not about opinion or uh, emotion or anything. It's about what does the Bible say? Because the Bible changes the heart and the mind of man. Well, thank you so much for listening. With the time that I have left, I want to invite you to the churches where I have the privilege of pastoring, Mount Vernon Baptist Temple. We're located at 817 Woodland Drive in Mount Vernon. We have Sunday school classes for all ages beginning at 9 a.m., and then we have morning worship service at 10 a.m. Sunday night service is at 6 p.m., and Wednesday night Bible study at 6 p.m. as well. If you'd like to know more about Mount Vernon Baptist Temple, you can call us at 618-244-5404 or visit online at mountvernonbaptisttemple.com. And then Waltonville Community Church, we begin every Sunday at 1115 a.m. We are located at 321 South Hiram Street across from the Waltonville Cafe. You can find out more about our church at 
uh, well, by calling or texting 618-315-1111 or on the internet at waltonvillecommunitychurch.com. Now, out at our Waltonville Church this week, we are having something called the Five-Day Club Vacation Bible School. We're having Vacation Bible School for ages 5 through 12, Monday through Friday of this week. So it starts tomorrow. If you have a child or a grandchild uh, in that age group, uh, it will start at 11 o'clock and goes to 12.30, so hour and a half, uh, Monday through Friday of this week at our church in Waltonville. If you want to know more about that, again, you can contact us at 618-315-1111 or go online and uh, find waltonvillecommunitychurch.com. But we'd love to have you. We're going to have a good time at Vacation Bible School from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. this week, coming up starting tomorrow. Monday through Friday at Waltonville Community Church. Thank you so much for being a part of our program. And don't forget, these messages are available on the Bible Truth Podcast. Go to your favorite podcast platform and and, uh, search for Bible Truth uh, under Tim Reynolds, and you will find that Bible Truth Podcast. And all of our messages are on there. You can listen to them at any time. And I also want to thank all those who support us financially with your gifts, because we could not stay on the radio and, and offer the podcast were it not for the faithful gift of God's people, and I want to thank you for that as well. If you are interested in supporting the Bible Truth program, you can listen to the announcer at the end of this program, and he can tell you how to do that. Thank you so much for being with us. I look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds saying, may God bless you, is my prayer. You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at Hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois 62864. Thank you for listening.